It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. It's the Premier League preview show for week 34 of the 18-19 season. Do Liverpool want it too much? After last weekend's win at Southampton, are the Reds players going to get engulfed by a fan base who want an English league title more than bees need nectar in springtime? Last time it all went wrong, it was Chelsea at home. This weekend, oh dear. Tottenham have taken a 1-0 lead over Man City in the Champions League, so what better opponent to rest a few against than already down Huddersfield, though... There are fears Harry Kane might miss the rest of this season, and it's Cardiff City's last stand. They simply must beat Burnley on Saturday. I'm Tom Rennie. Our panel today is Talk Sports football editor David Walker. Also with us, Daniel Gabadon, former Palace, Cardiff and West Ham defender. And Stevie Lomas is here as well. We got him through security. Uh, former West Ham and Manchester City midfielder. Right, let's get into match one, shall we, lads? Liverpool against Chelsea, Sunday, 4.30 UK time. Liverpool haven't won any of their last six Premier League games at Anfield against Chelsea. The Reds have never endured a longer winless run at home against any opponent in Premier League history. And Chelsea have already won at Liverpool this season, of course, beating them 2-1 in the Carabao Cup, inspired by Eden Hazard, who's in pretty good form right now. Uh, Steve Lomas, let's come to you first on this. Who is going to be the 2019 version of Denver Bar? Who is going <laughs> to fill that Steven Gerrard role? Will Liverpool let this game be the game that slips them up this time? Well, it'll be interesting to see how they cope with Hazard. Like you said, Tom, he's been on fire. The goal he scored, his first goal against West Ham, fantastic. be interesting to see if he maybe thinks about man-marking him, taking him out of the game. But there's always teams, and Danny has tell you, that, that bogey teams and Chelsea seem to be Liverpool's. And with you know City away at, at Palace, you think they'll, they'll have enough to, to, to do a number on. Then the pressure's really on Liverpool. Uh, Liverpool victorious in the Champions League in midweek gabs against Porto. We expected them uh, to win that game, and they did. They're not the 5-0 from last season, just the two. Uh, were you impressed by the way they performed? Um, I thought they just did enough, really. Obviously, they got the early goals, and I thought you know this could be 4-5, but if anything, the, the performance kind of tailed off after that. Um, I think the second half, the important thing was just obviously not to concede, keep a, keep a clean sheet. Um, I think Porto kind of settled for the 2-0 then as well because they tried to press a bit in the first half, got opened up and conceded a couple of goals and changed their kind of game plan second half. And Liverpool found it a little bit more difficult to break through. But um, it was interesting, obviously, Mane kind of coming off. So I think maybe he was looking towards the weekend's game clock, trying to maybe rest him. Um, Firmino kind of came off towards the end as well. So he certainly had the Chelsea game in his mind, I think, towards the end of that game. So... Um, it's how they kind of recover and, and go again against Chelsea. It's going to be a difficult game because Chelsea have, have come into good form in the last couple of games. Um, I thought they were excellent against West Ham on Monday. Very pliant opponents, though, to yeah, be fair. Very fair. Yeah, they were very passive, West Ham. You know, Chelsea were able to do what they wanted. But I, I was impressed with the tempo that they played with more than anything because I think watching Sarri's team play a lot this season, there hasn't been a tempo there. I watched them against Cardiff a, a couple of weeks ago and they just didn't seem to kind of have a counter-attacking threat in them and I don't know if it was just they were up for it more um, or whether it was the team selection with, with Hudson-Odoi playing in there who's obviously a lot quicker Hazard looked really up for it I think he was uh, maybe trying to prove a point to Zidane maybe for the summer um, but 
I, I was really impressed with how they played. So this is a, this is a difficult game for Liverpool. And I think. But, but I think I think Chelsea Chelsea have finally put Hazard in his proper position. Obviously, they've got Higuain through the middle. They're not playing him uh, Hazard up there on his own. Mm. He, can, he can have space to wander. I think Hudson Doy adding pace on the right hand side. Then you've got Kansi, who seems to be. I wouldn't say he's a natural, but he's certainly grown into that attacking mid- midfield role. So they've actually got a lot of pace about their team, yeah. which, which especially with Liverpool's fullbacks who like to get forward, they have got that situation with Liverpool being at home that they can hit on the counter. So, you know, it's, it really sets up to be a, a really interesting game. What about the argument here, Dave, that Liverpool want this too much? Many of us would have watched the Jamie Carragher performance on Friday against Southampton, where it was uh, basically a return to fan zone. Uh, and you extrapolate that to all the fans that are there going on about how much they want to win this first league title. Champions League means nothing. Nothing else means nothing. Dinner means nothing. Oxygen means nothing. All that matters is winning the Premier League. And we have seen Liverpool capitulate to that pressure previously. Yeah, well, I don't know if you can call it a capitulation. It, that was really, that was a freak situation that happened against Chelsea in the last time. Mm-hmm. That, that slip ruined everything but I mean how many times is that going to happen nine times 99% of times Gerard doesn't slip there and I don't know whether you can say that that was due to the pressure maybe only he's made possibly he's the only person that could tell you that and the fans obviously are desperate to win the league but it's about whether the players their mentality are they affected by by the by the by the fans you you guys will be able to tell me how much notice as a player in that situation are you taking of everything the fans are saying and everything else in the media I think um, of course as a player you're aware of it and, and certainly Jurgen Klopp's aware of it as well I think after the, the Tottenham game which they won um, in the last kind of uh, seconds of the game um, his post-match interview he kind of alluded to the fans and how calm they were and they stepped behind the team and you could tell um, he was almost trying to make a statement to the fans a little bit about how that that's how they need to be now between now and the end of the season and not um, get too frustrated or, or panicky because that will then feed into the players. So um, the, the Liverpool fans, they are desperate to to win, a, and it's understandable because we, you know, they haven't won one. So you can understand their expectations being different to to a Man City who've already done it or United who've done it over many a year. But I think they do have to be a little bit careful that you know it doesn't put added then expectation and too much pressure then on the players because a lot of these players mm. haven't been in that situation before so um, yeah I mean even I mean I even look at like social media the, like Liverpool's account and every game it's all Virgil van Dijk Virgil van Dijk mm. or Salah Salah this, so the new like, Maldini you know yeah, van Dijk well, yeah, I mean, greatest defender any, in the world any little thing that he does there, before there was, him there was yeah. no defending <laughs> <laughs> Everything's kind of posted up, and it's just. I think sometimes they just get a bit too kind of carried away with themselves, and I think that's why a lot of people outside of Liverpool who don't want them to win the Premier League, so they just think that it's going to be an absolute nightmare, mm. never going to hear the end of it, kind of thing. So um, it's it's just about you got you got to manage the, the pressure as a player, haven't you, Lomas? Yeah, I think listen, at the end of the day, the media is building it up. They love a good story. Yeah. Um, it is a good story as well, it though. Is, it, it doesn't is. need building up. They're building it up for us. But what I'm saying is they, they have found a way. They haven't been at their silly rate and best out in the last 10 games, but they've found a way. And with them front three, you know, if, if, if one's off or two's off, then Manny steps to the fourth. You know, Salah maybe hasn't had the best the last 10 games, but, you know, they've got so much quality. And I think as well, Kebby, and Fabinho in midfield are finally looking like mm. finding their feet. I watched the two of them against West Ham early in the season, and Liverpool really missed Jordan Henderson and Milner. That's how poorly they play. But the last four or five weeks, it looks like them two are really finding their feet. What about Naby Kay? Let's talk a bit about him, because he has been thought of as a bit of a flop this season. So many Liverpool fans were talking like he would be the star midfielder. We spoke previously, Dave, on the show about Liverpool not scoring goals in midfield. Scored against Porto, scored against Southampton, is getting forward, maybe developing into the player, Gabs, that, that we thought he was going to be. Yeah, um, I mean, these players that come into the Premier League, sometimes it can take a little bit of time. Um, I think everybody was hoping from a Liverpool point of view that he would add to that midfield and bring something different to, to what they already had. Um, I do think maybe next season might be his season because I, I do like how he plays. You Particularly know, he when, you're, but I think when you're right at the top end as well. It's not like you're coming in playing for West Ham. 
you're coming in, you're playing for Liverpool, mm. a team that yeah. is right at the pinnacle Pressure, of, the, game, of the league, yeah. you know, it must be tough. Yeah. Plus, plus as well, I think the way Klopp plays, he basically wants his three, more or less, the last 18 months, their doggers run about, get it and give it, give it to the front three and let the two full-backs go and join in and be the cre- creators. They're basically what I call second-phase players, win the ball and keep second-phase pressure on. And like I say, you look at Henderson, Milner, they've done that, that good job. You thought Kevy coming in would be something different and I think he's finally shown that yeah. Liverpool can have a bit of variation running forward from midfield. I think it's just trying to find his place in the team, his right position. He's kind of playing off the left side of a three in midfield and he just looked initially, I thought that he didn't really understand the role and what was required of him. But I think in recent weeks, he looks like he's um, a bit more confident. I like actually what he's done with Henderson Klopp as well. You know, he's moved him further forward as well. He's For a long time, he's been that kind of holding midfielder and last couple of games, he's actually played him as a box-to-box. Requested it, apparently, yeah. saying he could do more. Apparently, yes, and I, like, I thought uh, this myself because I think when he plays for England, he plays a little bit more further forward and you, you can see he's actually trying to be more forward-thinking and play those kind of defence-splitting yeah, passes, which we saw... I think as well he's been looking on it. a lot of teams have, have found out Salah Firmino coming short and Salah the diagonal run so so a lot of full backs are playing narrow so he's then now asking the question of Henderson can you then can you then break in the box and be another body rather than than Mo Salah just making that that one run forward Uh, one final question before we move on from this game got to ask you about Chelsea fans are they the worst fans in English football (laughs) are they the real Madrid fans of English football (laughs) Chelsea currently sit third uh, they're on a winning run of three in a row. In the last game away from home, we get chance of Sari out, F Sari ball. It's very audible. You know, it hasn't been amazing this season. They've not been Liverpool. They've not been City. But it's not been that bad. And yet they're screaming for the manager out in a way that Huddersfield never did for David Wagner. Cardiff haven't done for Neil Warner. Yeah, any of that you, stuff. You cannot compare the Chelsea. Of course I can. They're an all right season. Because your, your expectations... A completely different. Is the not fan. their expectation then? No, but and being in the latter yeah, stage of the Europa are, League, they are used to winning Premier Leagues. They're used. They've won the Champions League. They've they've won it all, and they're used to getting the best. So that's that's why. So you you think this is fair that Sarri's getting I, I, the I think, get I, out, I, no, get think, out of my club? You could make a case to say that 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 they should be happy with third, but I can also see why some of them, when they've experienced what they have over the years, think that this season hasn't been good enough. But you also say, you also make a case of that that squad should be doing better, should be put more, should be closer to the two. All right, maybe finishing third, but being points wise closer. I think, you but they're at, top of the four, the yeah. four that are chasing. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, in terms, of you look at that squad, what they got. They got some great players: Higuain, Giroud. Giroud, listen, he scored ten goals. But Giroud's Giroud. 33 and couldn't get yeah. off Arsenal's bench. Right. Higuain can't score a Hazard, goal unless it's Huddersfield. They've basically got Hazard. Hazard. Listen, they've got Kante. He's a he's a, a double Premiership winner. He's a World Cup winner. Come on, they've got a good player. I can't believe you guys are defending Chelsea fans. I thought you'd be on my no, team listen, here. I, I, listen, I only talk- brought this up because you two are in. I'm not talking about the fans. You must have had some abuse from the Chelsea oh, fans down the years, Steve. abuse everywhere, Tom. You know that, yeah. <laughs> but in, ser- in terms of, I remember Chelsea when they were 16,000. So since Abramovich has turned up, they've almost found 25,000 from somewhere. You know, they're not the proper top, uh, Chelsea fans. And I'm even, I think, the proper Chelsea fans would say... They're not proper Chelsea fans. Yeah, there was a great joke this week. Uh, Chelsea banning plastic at Stamford Bridge. And someone quipped, well, that means they've got no fans then, which will be a shame. <laughs> We've got to move on, though. When we come back, Crystal Palace up against Man City. We'll talk about Tottenham as well. Right, let's get on. Crystal Palace up against Manchester City. Five past two UK time this Sunday. Crystal Palace looking to complete a top-flight double over Man City for the first time since 1972-73. They are a bad side at home. Just 41% of their points have come at home this season, the lowest ratio in the Premier Division. City have won their last eight Premier League games, six clean sheets in that time. We will get to Palace. We've got to talk about Man City first. Beaten uh, by Tottenham Hotspur in the Champions League in midweek. Struggled as well, Steve, in the game you and I covered on Saturday against Brighton. They weren't great in that game, and, and Brighton came on strong late on and if they had someone who could score a goal for them, I think they probably would have done. If a Delafeu type was able to come off the bench, they'd have got something against Man City. Um, what have you made their last couple of performances? Yeah, not great, Tom. You hit the nail on the head um, against Brighton. Like you said, if they had somebody that, that could have took the chance, I, I fancy Brighton to go on and win. So it just looked like they're a little bit sloppy, as I would say. They've got their mind on other things. But 
what a great opportunity this weekend to go away. Palace not great at home to get the three points and really ask the question of Liverpool, who obviously, as we know, have got a real tough game and, uh, and really put pressure on and see what Liverpool are made of. What about Fabian Delph? Can I ask you about him? You watch a lot of Man City, of course, captain the club as well. Every time I see him, I think he's an absolute liability. Every time I see him, it's kind of his fault a goal has gone in. He wasn't alert enough in the right position. You can't necessarily blame him for that as he's not a proper left back, a trained left back. So why does he get the nod or Zinchenko's been playing a lot before he got injured and not Mendy in the Champions League game? Well, it is strange. Uh, Certainly with him giving Mendy a start against Brighton and then taking him off with 15 minutes left, you thought, yeah, he's going to rest him for for, for the game. So I was really surprised at Delph. I think he did well last season at left-back in spells, but he, he, he had a good run of about 30 games. But I think teams have found him out because obviously he's a midfielder in terms of, and Danny's probably better explain it to me, that you've got to get in good defensive positions early enough as a fullback, and and maybe he's more reactive, you know, really than getting in there early, and people seem to get across him very easy, and I think certainly teams are looking at, at, at Man City and thinking, if we can get at them defense, defensively in the forward areas, he's certainly the weak, weak point. And Gabs, Man City, do Palace have the quality to get at them this weekend? Um, they do, yeah, going forward. I mean, they showed what they did at the Etihad a little bit earlier in the season where they beat them. Um, but, you know, as we've said, it's not a fortress Selhurst anymore. Their away form has been very good. So, um, I mean, obviously, of course, you know, they're going to have to defend really well. But with the likes of Zahar, Townsend, Bashrai, um, their standard penalty with you know, Rovich, <laughs> um they might have a chance um, but City I mean no they haven't been great in the last couple of weeks but they've been doing enough haven't they and they have so much quality they can play in third year and still pick up results and it's a bit of a stranger really the left back position because they have so much quality you'd think they would have a, a number two kind of left back but you know Mendy with the injury kind of issues he's had and after plays Zinchenko there or Delph there and it's not kind of ideals particularly when you kind of come up against top quality teams they will target those areas as we've seen so you know I feel a little bit sorry for Delph as Lomi said you know it's not his kind of natural position and he will do a job for some games but there are going to be games where he gets caught out and I probably think he trusts him more than Mendy defensively to be honest with you Mendy think, great going he, forward yeah. but I think he's got the dilemma as well as he could put Laporte there but in terms of you're going against two flying yeah. wingers so and he's been for, the best centre exactly back for me season. for me if you do that you're going to throw a wide player up against him and say, right, go yeah. and have a run at him. So, tough game for City. Yeah. Though, it's a real, it's real, it's real big decision for him. Does he go? I think he'll probably stick with Delph. You'll think, better the, dev- <laughs> better the devil I know. He's, I mean, that's why I was really surprised that he did play that in, in that game last night because he, when he has started this season, it's not been in the big matches. Mm. And that, I mean, that is one of their biggest the, the, matches. The other thing I can only night. think of, Dave, is that maybe Mandy obviously has got, a, he's got an issue with his knee. So maybe after that game, mm. he's got a bit of swelling and he couldn't yeah. play couldn't play as quickly. So well, maybe It's Mand- more like he was up Yates's in Manchester Town Centre, <laughs> isn't it? Let's face it. With some <laughs> of the girls in the office. The I, I think this is, as, as you said, Dan, I think this is a tricky game for, for City. They should win it. But do you remember in the, uh, in the All or Nothing Amazon documentary hmm. last season, this was a really difficult game for City. Yeah, and and Pep, that, Pep made a big point before the game of telling, telling to his players look guys I know it's Crystal Palace I know they're down near the bottom but this team is really dangerous we've done analysis on them some of their wide players that could cause us real problems and it proved to be one of their most difficult games last season they've already lost to them this season they're not in great shape so they need a performance well there's some City fans actually thinking that Pep rested De Bruyne and Sane in the Champions League yeah. for this game Maybe. on the weekend because Pep knows the difficulty of it so um be interested to see if those players kind of come in um, for the Palace game, but it's it's a it's one of City's trickiest fixtures that they've got left. Uh, Palace are capable on their day of of beating anybody in the league. You know, if if Wilf's on his game and and Andros on the other side, um, and they don't cross to Benteke, I and think they, that's key. And he isn't doesn't it? play basically. Don't bring on Benteke. <laughs> there was a point during the game against Newcastle where the commentary team was saying, right, last twenty, let's get on Benteke, and then there was a cross to him back post, simple and effort, same against Spurs, and he slides yeah. on the ground and it's kind of defending. scuffs it. Great defending. Would you from Benteke? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, listen, on, on great defending, can I ask you a question, Gabs, on something you mentioned there? I heard the commentator in the game between Tottenham and Man City talking about Laporte. And he was saying that a lot of City fans would consider him as important as Virgil van Dijk for Liverpool fans. You've said something similar there in that you think he's been their best defender. Uh, this is not something I have noticed this season. Tell me why he has been so good. Um, I think 
similar to Virgil van Dijk is all round kind of game. Um, he's nowhere near as good in the air as Van No, Dijk, he's he? not as physically strong as Van Dijk. He's probably not as quick. Um, but he's very calm on the ball. Um, you know, his passing range is very good. It's a well, as good as Van Dijk, I think, with a cross field ball. Um, I wouldn't say he's probably his, his leadership skills as big as Van Dijk's either, but but he has been very consistent. Um, when he came in from Bilbao, I was a little bit sceptical about his defensive abilities, to be honest with you. I knew he was a very good player on the ball, but I wasn't sure um, how good he was defensively. I haven't seen him at Bilbao, but um, I have to say he's... Um, this season, he's he's improved. He's 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 done really well. He's been their standout centre back. So I, I just think all around he's been pretty good, mm. um, even defensively. Um, and to be fair, he didn't have a lot lot to do, does he? Defensively, when you're a City defender, you spent most of the time just admiring the attacking players and what they what they're doing. But now he, he's been very been very consistent. I've been I've been impressed with him. Yeah. Uh, just finally on the up front situation with Man City, Steve. We saw Gabriel Jesus. We've seen Sergio Aguero. Aguero I thought looked off the pace against. Tottenham. I don't know what, what everyone else thinks of that, but Jesus, when he's come in, hasn't really done it this campaign. Is that an issue for, for City and who starts this weekend? Well, it wasn't about five weeks ago because Aguero was in such good form, but it seems that he's had a little knockoff, and I think the penalty summed up his performance for me. He looked a bit sluggish, like you said, Tom, and Jesus has done okay, but he hasn't really cemented a place. To, he hasn't Jesus. really cemented a place, really. But listen, in terms of a backup, I think the three behind and and the variation of the three behind is as good, if not better than anybody. And I think they'll always be able to, to get through it, which is exactly what they've been doing the last six games, mm. just doing enough. Mm. Uh, listen, let's move on to Tottenham against Huddersfield Town. That's Saturday, 12.30 UK time. Of course, Spurs beating City in midweek in the Champions League, but not without cost. Harry Kane went off in the second half of that game. Rizzo Pochettino says he might miss the rest of this season. That challenge reminded me a lot, Gabs, of Andy Carroll in a lot of ways. Uh, poor old Andy, God bless him. But he comes back from a long-term injury and we used to always say of Andy Carroll when we thought he could stay fit, just stop rushing into unnecessary challenges. Stop playing like a battering ram, like the Tasmanian devil. Just pull back a little bit. And that challenge on Delph seemed unnecessary. Does someone need to speak to Harry Kane and maybe to tell him to pull out of those kind of things? Can it be done? Um, I don't think he needs to be spoken to and, and told to change his game and not go in for those tackles. That's who he is. That's what makes him part of the player that he is. You know, he is very hard working. Um, maybe he just got rushed back from the injury too quickly as well. You know, every time he has got injured, they've really kind of rushed him back, I think, and thrown him straight into the team. And, and sometimes initially you can get through the first game, second game. Sometimes then it's maybe the fifth or the sixth game suddenly where maybe you're lacking a bit of physicality and maybe you re-injure yourself or whatever, you know, what what happened with Delph there. Um, he's injured his ankle yeah. every season for the last yeah, few years. Three isn't times, he? He's clearly so, got a problem with, mm, with yeah. the ankle. And at City... Like riled him up a bit last night, didn't they? Yeah, they were going in hard on him. They were it was frustration, was I think, leaving him on him. It, and yeah. I think you could see, you know, he went into that challenge thinking, right, I'm going to give you a bit back here, and it's yeah. backfired. Should Fernandinho have been sent off for that challenge as an aside when he kind of lands on Harry Kane, then kind of pushes his his forearm into the back of his head? Would you have sent him off, Dave, for that? Um, did the referee not see it? There was there was nothing in the there game. Was no, it was a free kick, VAR no yellow, no red. So. You know, the VAR checks everything and yeah. if they think there's an infringement, they should inform the referee. So. I think it's not good for Tottenham, but I think deep down a break to the end of the season and, and, a, and, a, and a fresh hurricane coming mm. into the thing would be better all round, I think, for Tottenham long term. Like you're saying, like Gab's saying, is you can get through on adrenaline, but the natural fitness, and let's have it right, he's just come back from a World Cup. So he's just constantly playing, playing, playing. And, you know, the more you play... Unfortunately, you can't say to somebody, listen, change your game. Can you go in and stop making challenges? In the heat of the game, you're going to go for a challenge. You ain't going to go for a challenge and think, oh, I better not. It is very impossible yeah. to, to, to do that. Like that. And I think, I think a rest might do Harry Kane the world of good. Hopefully, he'll be back uh, soon before the end of the season. We don't know as we record the programme just how bad the, uh, the diagnosis is for that injury. Let's talk about Hung Min Son. Uh, Dave, you were there a few days ago when he scored the first goal yeah. at the brand new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. He's the first European scorer there as well. He's a pretty adequate backup for Harry Kane. He is, and, and when Spurs went on that great run, whilst Harry Kane was injured, he was the main man. 
And that there is a feeling that when Harry Kane came back into the team, Son's impact was nullified a little bit. I mean, he's still been playing really well and scoring goals, but he does give them a, a different dimension when he's playing up front to Harry Kane. Obviously, Harry Kane's brilliant on his day, but they do play in a different way. And I, I don't think it's a complete disaster for, for, for Spurs to not have Harry Kane be, available. It'll be interesting to see if he leaves them out this weekend. You know, keep him, keep him fresh. Yeah. Uh, I think they might look to protect him. I think just by definition, with him playing in a slightly wider role, he isn't going to be a f- as effective as it's simple as that. There, and I think he relishes being that main man whenever Harry's not there because he very much knows the onus is on him to score goals. And and more often than not, he's come up trumps. Mm. I think it's interesting that yeah. isn't it the team selection because yeah. City are going to need to play a strong side against Palace because yeah. that's a very very tough game. Spurs against Huddersfield could probably win with the put second the, team, the third the, team. Put, put the kit man up front, couldn't he? <laughs> you know what? I mean, he could, couldn't he? You know what? Uh, Play when, himself up when, front, Pochettino, when, why not? Poch has tended to rotate, though, they've struggled. You know, off the back of Champions League games and mm. stuff, and he's rotated three or four. But the problem they've, is they've it's normally Laurenti's coming on, and they can't play the same way with Laurenti. They've got to get crosses in the box for him. Yeah. So you know you, what I mean? So You'd think, you know, Huddersfield relegate Tottenham, and you would think, they would have enough to win the game um, and you probably will see maybe three or four changes um, but I don't think he'll be as kind of clinical a win as you would think I think they'll get the job done but um, I think it'd be a bit more of a struggle if Poch wants to start rotating because that's what has been the norm really when he has done that in the past uh, We won't waste too much time at Huddersfield Town but I will mention this, a story that I read earlier in the week and a couple of people I know that got some contacts there they're all pretty convinced that Jan Sievert won't be there come the start of next season, apparently upset some of the senior players, whomever those senior players are at Huddersfield Town you tell me, but it just hasn't worked at all, I think about Darren Moore last year, they still went down West Brom but they went down kicking and screaming and yes, this is not as good a squad as that, I get all that but they've really offered almost no resistance have they i mean what has jan sievert actually done to earn the right to be their manager come the start of next well, I season i think they listen they've tried to do the same the same scenario with david wagner followed you know president of that there it hasn't worked i've seen some of his interviews he's been very scathing of the players um and players look at that and think, hold on a wee minute, you're the manager, you've got to accept a certain amount of responsibility as well. I think added to they're going to be in the championship, it's a different league, they're going to have to get rid of a load of players. Is he the man to do that recruitment policy? It probably seems to be the answer is no. Right, let's move on. Next up, we'll talk about the FA Cup finalists, Watford, who take on Arsenal on Monday Night Football. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Right, let's get to the big result of last weekend. David Walker, TalkSport's football editor. Let's come to you first on this. Tremendous news that both Kofi Kingston 
and Seth Rollins took the WWE major <laughs> singles titles at WrestleMania. You must have been thrilled. I think you're forgetting about Becky Lynch as well. Of course, the man <laughs> beating Ronda Rousey in you the headline. Give it, you give it all the big and you know exactly I what I watched you're it, but I didn't about. go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, more for you, my friend. Yeah, I stayed up watching it. Was WrestleMania good? That is what the it audience was, want to know. It was fantastic. It was far too long. Seven and a half hours Is that long. how long it was? I was still there, gone half past midnight. It took me two hours to get an Uber. And everyone else gone home, but you were still there. Well, there were thousands of us <laughs> trying to get cabs. It was a disaster. But, of course, the big main event of the day was earlier on, wasn't yes! it? Yes! 11 a.m. kickoff New York time. I've, I've never experienced a football match like that. And I actually... People, you, more than one person said to me, oh, I can't believe you weren't there. What were you doing? Why weren't you in the stadium? But I actually think I had a better time watching it where I did than I would have done if I was So where were you? You're watching it with a Well, let him justify it. You never know. I was was in the basement of a bar in New York City with about 30 other Watford fans who either lived in New York, were there on holiday, were there for WrestleMania or whatever. Uh, if I was over here, I would have I would have been at work, actually. I would have been there in the press box. I wouldn't have been able to go as mad as I did. And as you can hear, my voice is only just recovering from, from Sunday. But first of all, Tom, first of all, okay, Tom, here we go. There, there isn't 30 Watford fans in Watford. Never mind New York. So straight away, I, I'm not having that one. No, the, the fact, Dave, that you're in New York when Watford are playing in an FA Cup semi-final tells me... You didn't expect Watford to get to the FA Cup semi-final in the first place. That's why... <laughs> no, belief. No, no belief. no belief in Javi Grazia. Yeah. No belief. <laughs> you could be forgiven for thinking of that. Maybe is he going to be allowed back? That is the question. Are you going to be allowed back? I've got to go back to New York for the final. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you can't book your flight two years in advance to get that cheap rate, though, can you? We need Watford fans, the club together, to make sure that happens. That is what needs to be the case. Same pants, same location. Uh, let's get to the game. Let's talk about the game. Game because, um, I mean, Steve, we did the game on the Saturday, which was, you know, it was better than it, than we kind of thought it would be, but wasn't great. This game is going to go down, at the very least, at the new Wembley, as, for me, the best semi-final we've seen I there. Think it's, 70, it, what, nine minutes? And it was still 2-0 to Wolves? It was a throwback FA Cup tie, wasn't it? What the FA Cup used to be all about, you know, the likes of when Houchin scored for, for, for Coventry. It was just, it just, just lifted the spirits of the Cup. And I think yeah. it had a rough deal about five or six years ago, but now there's a bit of, you know, a bit of prestige coming back in the game. And I re- listen, I've, I haven't enjoyed a game of football like that in many a year. And I was in my local... Um, Boozer. There we go. And uh, <laughs> with listen, thirty Watford fans. It, yeah, with thirty Watford fans in Buckerstill. But now, nah, listen, it was a great, great, great game. Thoroughly enjoyed, it. and I think Wolves. They just thought they had it done, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. And, say, and for me, the manager, the manager made the wrong subs. Yeah, you say two 0 down with ten minutes to go. Mm. I mean, the real thing was it was two one down with what ten seconds yeah. to go. I mean, that was the thing. They got the goal back, but it looked like they just weren't going to get the other chance. So they're huffing and puffing, but it wasn't going to come. And then the, the penalty in the last minute, I mean, that was absolutely unbelievable. Let's talk about Troy Deeney, shall we? Let's talk about the sheer cojones on the guy <laughs> to take the penalty. I thought he was brilliant in all of his post-match interviews as well. People are saying things like, you know, be a better winner. But we want a bit of fun. He's a great personality. And it was, you know, you get that mask out, that luchador mask out. You deserve to get beaten in the cup semi-final, don't yeah, you? Yeah, he, really, he, he should really have really been sitting with Dan, shouldn't he? <laughs> Dave, sorry. He should be he sitting with Dave doing a bit been. of WWF. Uh, but, but what about Troy Deeney, Gabs? I mean, he's a great character, but a really, really good footballer as well. We kind of yeah. lose that a lot because we talk about his personality. Yeah, and he was the one person throughout the game until obviously Delafeu came on and changed it. He was the one guy that looked like might, you know, get Watford back into the game, his phys- physicality, his presence at top. He was causing problems when balls were coming into the box. They were just lacking a bit of quality, really. The best ball that kind of went in was one produced from him and Andre Gray, who had two great chances in the game, didn't score either of them. But um, obviously Delafeu coming on, um, what a goal! A what what a goal! Yeah, I mean, I was lucky enough to obviously commentate on it for for Talk Sport, and um, I was out of my seat, <laughs> out of my seat. I couldn't contain myself when that went. It was a brilliant piece. Of I think the thing skill. about Troy yeah. Deeney, he is a throwback, but yeah. he's a great throwback. He's a centre forward. When it goes up, it sticks, and as 
Danny will tell you if you're a defender, you're delighted you've got somebody like this because he relieves pressure. Yeah. As a midfielder, you can play it around the corner, it sticks, you can go and join in off him because you know it's not going to be like a pebble Damn. dash wall, like you're playing with Ian Dowie. <laughs> it's like playing a one two off a pebble dash wall. You didn't know what way it was coming back. But listen, I, I love him. I, I think he's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. He's great for the media. And more, more to the point, he's great for Watford. I don't I'd know what Dave thinks. I'd hate to play against him as a Can defender. I ask you about mindset here, Gabs? You've yeah. been in this situation. The FA Cup final's coming up in five weeks, six weeks, something like that, maybe a little bit less. You've done it with West Ham a few years ago. What are those games like where you were pretty safe at that point? West Ham yeah. weren't in any real trouble. FA Cup final's coming up. Did you feel you lost any, not motivation, but any anything, any intensity in the performance? No, kept us going. Kept us going, that thought of the final. Um, we, we had a very similar season to Watford's. Um, I think we finished top 10, got to an FA Cup final. And it's very easy when you say you're seventh, eighth, where Watford are, um, for the season to kind of peter out. And, you know, you feel your holidays are coming in. Your you intensity drops a little bit. But the fact you've kind of got an FA Cup final now to look forward to, that just keeps you motivated. Because places are up for grabs now yeah. between now um, and the cup final so everybody is going to be on their toes wanting to impress the manager it was the same thing in the run up to the semi-final yeah. Andre Gray played his way into the team yeah. you know he came off the bench in successive matches and Did scored well, goals yeah. and ch- changed games got himself a start in the semi-final and those players like Delafeo De cha- obviously changed the game on Sunday and he'll want to be starting the final yeah, and I think that's what the manager said he was angry so maybe is, is that the dilemma does he, does he start yeah. on the bench for the final I'm sure he won't want to but he's a great weapon coming off when the game's stretched. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's and the thing. I think Delefeu, the, the Premier League game before against Fulham, got dragged off half after time. about half, half, half time, time yeah. because he wasn't tracking back and doing his defensive work. So Javi Grassi just went off you comes and Andre Gray, who said David's been doing really yeah. well off the bench, played himself into the game um, on the weekend. Um, so he's got one or two selection dilemmas going into the final. I think maybe as well. Yep. With Man City, they're going to dominate the ball, does he? So the dilemma he's going to have is, does he go workmanlike? for the first 60 minutes and then maybe hopefully be in the game and then throw Delafeu on mm. when, when the game opens up a little and bit. they can't throw away the league either because in all probability, barring a miraculous That's game not the like spirit, Arsenal, Dave. You, you know, you, think of Kofi Kingston. Of <laughs> think of Seth Rollins. <laughs> in balance of probability, you'll probably lose that final to Manchester City and that means you won't get the European spot. Watford want to finish in seventh yeah. spot to get the Europa League place. Listen, let's bring it back to this Monday night football. Up against Arsenal at Vicarage Road on Monday, Watford have under, they're unbeaten in their last five Premier League home games. Uh, three victories and two draws in that time. Arsenal yet to keep a clean sheet away from home. Uh, on Arsenal, um, can they possibly finishing the top four with this away form continuing for the final few games of the season? Do they have to go to Watford and win Gabs? Um, I think they probably do, yeah. Um, I don't know. Well, their home form's been very good this season. Arsenal, I don't know why. Fantastic home, at home. Totally different team. Everton, you know, last week, I think everybody was looking at that game and saying, oh, can Arsenal kind of make a statement? Um, now they kind of got into that top four, go to Everton, who are in decent-ish form and get a result there. And they were kind of found wanting again. So um, it's a difficult game again. Watford are going to have their tails up, obviously. Um, but if they want to get... I, I'd be surprised if Arsenal finished. And I, I did not see Arsenal finishing in, in the I th- top I think as well, you look at Man United's going to beat West Ham and Tottenham's going to beat Huddersfield. Yeah. So, mm. so they're going to have to match that result as they're going to drop further behind for me. Yeah, Huge game on Monday. I want to ask you briefly about Mesut Ozil as well. You know what? I watched Mesut Ozil against Newcastle in the game they won. I was doing the commentary of the game. And I come away and I was thinking to myself, well, he wasn't great. He wasn't bad, but he wasn't great. And it's funny how different people read the games differently. Uh, the TV gave him man in a match or the papers gave him man in a match. There was a whole thing, I think it was in the mirror, saying how fantastic it was and he's back to his best. And, and I didn't quite see that. What about Mesut Ozil for a game like this? Watford away? can't play Mesut Ozil here, can you? <laughs> Against a hard-working midfield like Watford have got? Well, Athletes? Listen, he should be doing better with his quality for me. Um, taking away the ridiculous wades he's on. In terms of his quality, he should have a greater impact than the team. Really, he should be first in the team sheet for me with what they've got up front with Bama Yang and Lacazette. You would think somebody like him feeding, slotting little balls through, but... He just seems to at times do enough and you're thinking, you just want to give him a shake and say, come on, we need more from you. Mm. Because defensively, you offer nothing. So we had similar when we were at West Ham, people like Eil Berkovic and Paolo Canio, but... 
they offered going forward and you just want them to do more. And a pair, but a pair of those could put themselves about as well, couldn't they, right? <laughs> if they wanted yeah. to. No, I don't think so. Decanio uh, <laughs> occasionally, yeah. if he was putting someone's shirt or like you know, yeah, but he didn't like, the he, listen, he didn't really want to go. He didn't really want to play North of Watford though. No, did that he? is true. No, yeah, home, turned up once in Manchester, scored, never <laughs> went back. At home against Newcastle, that's Ozil's kind of game. You know, Newcastle going to come sit there with a back five or whatever three in front, and that's his game. You know, getting lots of the ball yeah. then and trying to you know, pick open a, a hole in Newcastle's defence. Going away to Everton or away to Watford, Tom, as you said, who are like a high-intensity team, decoying and Kapua, yeah. high-energy af- athletes. I, I don't see him no. playing. I wouldn't put Mesut Ozil in the Watford team, let alone the Arsenal team for Monday yeah, Night Will Football. But, but there you go. <laughs> yeah, I, Will Hughes has been really good. That goal he scored a couple of weeks ago as well. Fantastic against yeah. Fulham. Oh, yeah. Better than anything Ozil's ever done. Sorry, Arsenal fans. Uh, let's get to Leicester against Newcastle. We start the weekend on Friday Night Football. Uh, now, some of you may be listening on Saturday morning. Apologies for that. But we are going to briefly try and preview this with a couple of quick stories. Jamie Vardy has scored six goals in Leicester's five Premier League games under Brendan Rodgers. 50% of the total under the new manager. Steve, finally a manager at Leicester has gone, you know what we should do? Try and get the ball to Jamie Vardy in the box. Well, listen, <laughs> for me, you don't break it. Jamie wants it in behind in terms of he wants the ball in behind to use his pace. Obviously, the, the previous manager, Poole, they didn't get on because Jamie Vardy probably quite rightly goes, well, hold on a wee minute. It's work for us. Why are you trying to change it? You know what I mean? I'm the main man at this mm. club. Build a team around me. And Brendan's been quite rightly went back in there. Give an arm around Jamie Vardy and said, Jamie, listen, we're going to play to your strengths. And it's not it's not rocket science. Uh, and, and you can see why it's working. Because obviously Jamie wants to prove that the previous manager was wrong. Uh, and he was right. And he's got that uh, build-up play now from Yuri Tielman as well. It looks absolutely fantastic. I wonder if he's played so good, he's actually played his way to a bigger side than Leicester during the, the summer transfer James window. Madison as well, another bit of quality. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I can d- only see that being a win. Just quickly Leicester. on Newcastle United, uh, they've really struggled since Sean Longstaff got injured. Him and Hayden were looking so good in the centre midfield, and, and he's obviously missing. Uh, Lejeune out as well, another long-term injury for him, another guy that just keeps on getting injured. That uh, they're, uh, they're kind of bundling their way through Newcastle. They're, they're all but safe at this point of the season. Interestingly, though, on Monday Night Football last week, Dave Kitson was in with us, and he told me and he told our audience that Newcastle were basically sold. It's all done. 300 to 400 million pounds and it'll be announced for the end of the season. Whether that's true, I don't know. That's Dave's view on it and he tends to know these kind of things. If that happens, Gabs, does Rafa stay? If it doesn't, does he go? Um, I think he would probably stay as long as he's got certain assurances of you know, transfer budget and what have you, uh, um, a bump, a new contract. Um, I could see him stay and I think... I think he stays either way, to be honest. I do you, even with this I squad don't. under Mike Ashley? I do. Why? I, I think... You know, it's been the continual narrative has always been, oh, Rafa's going to quit, Rafa's going to quit, Rafa's going to quit. And unless he gets an amazing job offer from someone else, which I suppose is a possibility, I think. I think he'll, you know, even if they don't sell it before. What's his wages already? He's on seven million pound a year. Decent, yeah. yeah. I think think he's quite happy there. His contract's running out now. Um, I think he runs at the end of this season. Yeah, like three months. He can sign for someone else now if he wants to. He's going to sign a new one. We shall see. Uh, that is Friday Night Football. Um, Leicester up against Newcastle United at the King Power Stadium. Next up, plenty more to get through. We'll start with Cardiff, who quite simply have to win for me against Burnley on Saturday. <clears throat> right, five more games to get through here. We'll start with Burnley up against Cardiff, Saturday at 3 o'clock UK time. Burnley manager Sean Dyche has never lost against Neil Warnock, winning four of their five games. Burnley in tremendous form, winning their last two. Cardiff, just one win in their last six. Of course, that came against the whipping boys of West Ham United. (laughs) Gab's got to come to you on this, of course. Former Cardiff manager, former Cardiff player. You've had to endure them a lot this season as an analyst as well. Is it last chance saloon? Is it victory at Burnley or bust? Um... Yeah, I think that's a pretty good way of putting it, to be fair. Um, they need a win. Um, obviously, you know, five-point gap between them and Southampton. Um, Southampton of Wolves this weekend. Um, I think Wolves off the back of their disappointment. That's a good time to kind of play them. I'd fancy Southampton at home. Um, if that gap kind of gets any more, you just cannot see it happening. So, you know, it's a, look, it's a big game for both teams. Burnley... I've got a horrendous running after Cardiff. So if they beat Cardiff, you you kind of think they're probably safe. I think it was at eleven points then. 
Um, with the four kind of games after that, they played a top four pretty much. So, sorry, Everton in there as well. Um, Who are playing like a top four team? Well, yeah. So if they beat if they beat Cardiff, they're pretty much safe. Um, Cardiff is it is a must win, and I think the positive for them is yeah they know exactly what they need to do. There there can be no more mistakes. There can be no kind of sitting back and trying to play for a point. They have to go out and. And, and and win the game. So can um, they do that? Is that something yeah, this side yeah, under can. this manager yeah, can do? They can. I think you look at Burnley, um, the way they've been over the season. Yes, they've had some good results, but there's been some really poor results in there as well. Um, you look at both teams and kind of how they play. Neither team really wants to control possession or take control of the game and take it to the opposition. But I think Cardiff will have to be more that way obviously because they need to win so um, obviously team selection is going to be really important from Neil Warner I think the last couple of games they he's got that right obviously the Chelsea game was really disappointing that was mm. a, a dagger blow and then they went to Man City which you wouldn't expect them to get anything but I think he's kind of settled on a, a decent kind of start in 11 um, like expected to be very similar to the last two games and that is an 11 capable of, of getting the results so um, it's, a, it's a massive massive game yeah uh, Burnley have turned it around, Steve, yeah. once again. They've been weirdly streaky this year. Wins, uh, runs of wins, runs of losses. Mm-hmm. Uh, on another run of wins at the moment. Um, should they win this game? They're probably I th- safe I think not, from relegation. Not, not Is just, that enough? Not just them. Um, Southampton and Brighton will be desperate for Burnley to win. And really, I think that would be it for Cardiff. Um, yeah, they've been really strange. I watched them earlier in the season against West Ham. They looked like they were trying to get away, whether... You know, they were trying to change a little bit of style, trying to get the two centre-halves to step out and play in the midfield. It just wasn't working. They needed to get back to what they were. It's about getting it up to Wood and Barnes, getting up behind it, getting on second balls, getting the ball wide and in the box. And they've finally went back to that around Christmas time and it's paid dividends. They've been very good, the front two, by the way. Yeah, yeah. excellent. You would, you would hate playing against goals, them yeah. too because obviously Wood's a specimen. You know, he can run in behind, he can hold it up. Barnes is a right nuisance, isn't he? Is he? He's yeah. the modern day David Speedy. And Dwight McNeil on the left, I have to say, youngster. Been fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, listen, Cardiff fans, don't be too despondent as yet. We have seen games like this turn so many times over the years. You know, you two have been involved in games like this where you thought you might be going down, then suddenly you beat Chelsea, you win a massive game. You know, under Avram Grant, probably not, but in other seasons you did. <laughs> so you never, ever know. It's going to be a huge game. It's our international feature game, uh, Saturday, 3 o'clock UK time. Uh, let's move on. Manchester United up against West Ham is also Saturday, 3 o'clock UK time. We are recording this programme before United play against Barcelona, so we'll assume everyone has come through that game fit. But we can go back to their last Premier League game where they were outplayed by Wolverhampton Wanderers yet Again, second time this season United have struggled in that game. Um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer signed a new contract and the, the form's tailed off Stevie Lomas. Why is that? Well, I just think it's it, it's it's a you know, period. I don't think they're as good as United team as, as, as have been in the past. It's quite as simple as that there. Um, there needs to be big change. I'm really keen to see what Ole does. Does he really? He's obviously managed down well with the players, but can he manage up in terms of the budget? Because they need to really, I think, have a clear out at Man United. There's been too many players there for too long. He needs to get a bit young, hungrier in there, play a typical Man United team on the front foot, get it wide, get in the box, plenty of crosses. You look at the likes of Sanchez, the problem they've got is can they get rid of players like that there with the wages mm. that they're on? That'll be his issue. Um, but, you know, I think it'll be a no-brainer. I think West Ham are a team that have got their flip-flops on, ready for the summer. And um, I think it'll be a routine 3-0 victory. Gabs on West Ham, similar to what Steve was saying there about Manchester United, they've got a lot of players they'd like to shift on. Just want to ask you this question. Uh, Pellegrini's got a three-year contract. We're coming towards the end of the first year of that. I'm not saying Pellegrini out. It's been a disaster, you know, f Sari ball, all that sort of stuff. However, at the end of this season, will there need to be a discussion about whether he gets a second year? Because some of the performances and results, just one point away in 2019, yeah. have got to be called into question. Um, yeah, I think that... Well, I think they need to look at the manager and, and some of his decision making in some of the games. I, I got to say, I wasn't fully convinced when he got the job. To be honest with you, um, and he hasn't done that much to to convince me anymore since it's been streaky from West Ham um, all season. Really, there was a period where everybody was liking what he was trying to do. They were picking at results and they moved up the league. And then in recent weeks again, now there's been some poor results in there. So um, you can question sometimes his team shape, his team selection. 
Um, and again, I think it is another big job, as Lomi said about United there. I think there's a lot of dead wood there that needs to be cleared out. I thought it was a big job this summer with a lot of the players that he, mm. he brought in. They spent a fair bit of money, West Ham, but it seems like they need to kind of do it again. But do you not think, Gabs, they're really, again. they're really paying for the first three? I think we're playing catch-up. The first three or four windows when yeah. we moved across were catastrophic, oh, weren't they, really? Absolutely Maybe terrible. We, we signed about 30 players, and you could probably say two of them were a success. Well, haphazard recruitment for a long time at West Ham. There was an, an enormous list of failed Got one. Guys. Yeah, <laughs> you'd, be, you'd be better playing him, Gok and Tor. You'd be better playing Gok Wan at right right wing than then, whoever they've had in. Exactly. Jonathan Kiyeri. Yeah. Uh, anyway, you're absolutely right. Need a big window, West Ham. But yeah, but all I right think they for need this continuity season. as well. Yeah. I think if they change the manager again, I mean, they're changing every summer at the moment. Uh, Fair point. I think you're right. It's, it's about the amount he gets to spend, and 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 then I think. Christmas next next you know this year is really a good point to start judging him because yeah. it will be more or less his team that he's assembled. We shall see. Tough against Man U this weekend. Let's move on to Southampton against Wolves. Saturday, 3 o'clock UK time. Uh, David Walker, what about Wolverhampton Wanderers? Imagine how you felt in the 78th minute watching that game in New York. That is how Wolverhampton Wanderers have been all week in their luchador masks to cover their tears. How do the players, how do the fans as well who are going to Southampton, you know, they will have a sense, won't they, despite the fact they're still in the, the run for seventh and all that. The season's over. It's tough to recover from. Well, I, I, as I said about Watford earlier on, I think that Wolves even more so now, their focus will be completely on on trying to finish seventh. And there, there are a few teams competing for that spot. Leicester are on the march. Even Everton are, are, are doing well, as we've discussed. Watford are very much in there. West Ham look like they might be, but probably not now. It Because if, if you assume, perhaps wrongly, but if you assume that Manchester City will win the FA Cup, that means the Europa League spot will go to the seventh place and that it's up for grabs. Mm. So for for Wolves to finish in Europe in their first season in the Premier League would be amazing and you'd think they might be a team that would potentially have some fun in the Europa League next season as well. So that's got to be their motivation. It's going to be tough to pick yourself up after the disappointment of that game, surely. But they've got, you know, they've got to start somewhere. Why not get Southampton? I, I, I just worried about Wolves a little bit. The last kind of period of that of that game, I know they were 2-0 up, but they just looked like their energy levels kind of dropped and I just wonder if the season's kind of catching up with them a little bit now you look at kind of Neves that's not the first time he's kind of been substituted he's, it's happened of, uh, in, in recent weeks quite mm. a lot um, I think Nuno has actually used the least amount of players I yeah. think in, in the league as well hasn't rotated the team too much and just wondered whether now the season may be catching up with them a little bit and obviously that the disappointment of, of the weekend going out in a semi-final it'd be interesting to see how that affects them mentality wise as well but but they, they have to pick themselves up as, as Dave said they're still kind of a lot to play for really important that they kind of finish the season strong um, and I I would like to see them actually in Europa next season because I think obviously financially they're going to gonna go again in the summer they're going to spend more money bring in um, some more quality players and um, I do think over the next few years Wolves can be a team that can threaten the top six yeah. I know it's difficult but I think I think you can. Everton. I was speaking to Steve Bull recently and he reckons they've got all sorts of money and obviously with Georgie Mendes there pulling the, the strings show, yeah. You know they're certainly gonna. It's no, it's no spot of luck that they, they aim to be be there for the future. It's not just a couple of seasons and see how we do. They're gonna gonna go at it. So it'll be interesting. Really looking forward to seeing what Wolves do yeah. in terms of signings in the summer. Big future for Wolves. Big future for Southampton as well. No doubt they made the right decision changing their manager. They've won five of their last twelve Premier League games uh, in 2019. They only won six in the whole of 2018. Uh, so it's already looking up, and they're about one win away. Let's. Be on to Fulham against Everton. Fulham are gone. Everton have been in tremendous form the last few weeks, looking to win four consecutive Premier League games for the first time since 2016. Where's it come from, Steve? All of a sudden, Everton looked fantastic. Yeah, look, you know, five, six weeks ago, people were calling for the manager's head, but out of nowhere, the, the players have, have strung uh, you know, a set of results together, which when you look at the squad, they're more than capable, and they were, for me, they were underachieving, and they, they should be, be hitting this sort of form, but like I say, another club really in the summer. Massive that they, that they get some strikers. They can't keep relying on the young lad all the time. I think they need quality. Two or three. They've got a basis of a good squad, but 
two or three key players and I think they could really be a force that could push on. Yeah, fantastic in recent weeks against the Fulham side who have conceded at least two in each of their last 13 Premier League games, losing 12 of those. Uh, this was, I've got to tell you this stat, the only team to have conceded two or more in consecutive top flight matches are Man United, 16 games back in 1930, and Newcastle back in 1977, two or more goals in consecutive games. Newcastle did it for 14, United for 16, Fulham now on 13. That is just a horrendous, <laughs> historically bad record. Uh, they're going to find it tough next year to recover from this, aren't they? Well, that's why they've ultimately been been relegated and relegated so badly. That de- that the goals against Column is just <sighs> pathetically yeah. bad. And the defence was all over, all over the place. 76 conceded, Dave. From, 76. from day one, it was all over the place. They had some they had some forward players who, early on in the season, looked like they were doing OK. But the defence has been terrible and it's just dragged them down, hasn't it? Yeah. Uh, listen, when we came in this morning, uh, obviously we, we met in reception, had a bit of a chat about what we're going to talk about today. And Gab said, make sure you give me a few minutes in the show today so I can hammer Bournemouth. So that's what we're going to do <laughs> before we run out of time here. Brighton against Bournemouth, per, Saturday, per little Bournemouth, 3 o'clock. Come on, Dan. Give them the hammering you've been thinking about all no. morning. Did you, get, did you get some bad candy floss down there at once? <laughs> what happened to you? What happened to you, no, beach I just, side? I just don't understand them. They're just so streaky. Like they, they, they started the season well, then they just seem to tail off. They just concede goals for fun. They've lost two centre halves, so Gav. They lost two def- two key defenders, which I think big characters in the team. And I think the way Eddie and I've spoke about this in the past that. He's looked at it and thought, if you've got to stay in the Premier League, you've got to score goals. So we are going to get beat at times. We're going to be a streaky team. But with the players we've got going forward, we can always, always score goals. But that now, when the two defenders have been injured, has really, I think, exposed them. Just five wins in 23 games. Only Fulham and Huddersfield have got a worse record since November. You take yeah. away that winning streak at the start of the campaign Relegation when they won six form. of ten. They're third bottom. Form. I think outside of the bottom three, they've lost the most games this season. 17 losses. So I just think it's more than just you know two defenders being injured. What I is think, it? Well, Eddie Howe? Oh, yeah. I think he has to take some responsibility. And you know if you've got key players injured, you have to find a way of still picking up results. I mean, a few weeks ago, they Chelsea went there and they battered them, what was it, three or four? And then the next week then, they'll just lose to, you know, a game that they shouldn't have they, against a team they shouldn't lose to. Um, I mean, Burnley going there and scoring three. Yeah, lost against, against Burnley, lost weekend. against Leicester like in Burnley, recent times. How often, how often do they score three in a game? So, I don't know. I just think he has to take a little bit of responsibility of how he sets the team up. Has he been there too long, though? We um, talk yeah, about maybe, this a lot, maybe, don't maybe, we, maybe, maybe, Is that maybe, what it is? Maybe players are looking at it and think that the manager's going to be here a long time. We're comfortable. It's, mm. it's you know, happy little Bournemouth. But I think some of, some of their key players could be looking the likes of Fraser. Looks like he's not signed a contract. He's been fantastic for them this year. You look at Callum Wilson would certainly be one. that Josh put, King. That Josh King, another one. So you're looking at that. It's, a, it's, it's another big summer for Eddie, but I still think he's still doing a good job. I think you've got to look at their recruitment though as well. You can question their recruitment over the last couple of seasons. I mean, Solanke coming in, I know oh. he hasn't got going yet. He mm. might prove to be a decent signing. Um, there's a few players in there. So the, the but is that not, Rico, is it, I'm not being funny, but is that not the level that Bournemouth are, are swimming in in terms of them sort of players? You know, you, you're not you're not going out. What was Solanke get, though? About get, twenty million, wasn't yeah. he? I mean, you're they're not spending big money million. on freebies. Lerma, yeah, but we're not we're not talking million. about right, we're not though, talking about decent. top top level players, are we? That are going to come to Bournemouth. There are going to be so many more options for them top players. So that for me is they're recruiting in, in an area where you just don't know. You can't hang your hat on even at twenty million. You can't hang your hat on that he's going to be a success in the Premier League. Tough game to predict this weekend. Brighton against Bournemouth. Brighton have lost three of their last five Premier League home games, as many as they had in their previous 17 at the Amex Stadium. But no further time to talk about that as we are done for this week. Our thanks go to Steve Lomas and Daniel Gabadon. Also to our pal David Walker as well, who survived New York and is crowdfunding right now for a return flight for the 18th of May. Come on, Watford fans, dig deep. We're back next week. We'll see you then. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. 
be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com. 18 plus. Be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of nonstop hydration for silky smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.